Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt Halp. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View. If this is your first time here with us, thank you so much for coming. We're glad you're here. Hopefully you've enjoyed worship so far. Uh, it's been, man, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Jesse lets me play guitar every once in a while, so I get to do that. That's fun. But, well, um, thanks for joining us online, too. We're uh, starting a new sermon series last weekend. We've been working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, this new sermon series is called Train Like a Champion. And it's, it's going to be a great series. I've been really excited studying up for this one. Uh, Paul's giving us so many practical things to kind of live out our lives for Christ. These tool, things for our tool belt. I always, I always tell people it's like Batman's tool belt, right? He had something for everything in his tool belt. And, and God's kind of the same way with us. He gives us these biblical principles to apply to our lives. It's, it's like tools in our tool belt as we live out our lives for Christ. So um, I'm really excited about this train like a champion. Last week, um, if you missed it, Joe kind of teed up this sermon for me last week as he talked about freedom. So if you missed that, I encourage you to check it out online. You can watch it uh, online at our website. But um, anyways, he was talking about how our freedom is only limited by our love for one another and our love for God. That, that we measure out our freedom, we live out our freedom as we recognize other people and the Lord. So it's, it's a great sermon here, and a great sermon out of 1 Corinthians chapter 8. So check that out if you didn't get a chance to see it. This week we're moving into chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. All right. We're going to be talking about freedom again. This week Paul dives deeper into it and gets to the heart of the matter. Not just freedom, but I really think what he starts to address is legalism. Law-based Christianity that ignores grace, forgiveness, and life-changing relationship with God. This is really culminating from the first eight chapters that we've talked about. So I'm going to give us just a brief overview. I think it's really important we go there. Uh, Josh talked about it a little bit already. Uh, Paul starts out, he writes this letter to the church in Corinth because they were so divided. There were so many different things going on. There was these, this, the church in Corinth was, was in a city that... That, that was all about human philosophy. I mean, guys, guys that were really great orators. They would get up in the middle of the city and they would start talking about philosophy and they sounded so smart. I mean, you would just, you would go and listen to them and they would just draw you in and, and they sounded like everything they were saying was right, but it wasn't. It was just really, they were just really good talkers. And so the church of Corinth was getting caught up in this, this, these great talkers. They were buying into human philosophy and kind of throwing out biblical theology. And so that was, that was kind of one of the things that um, Paul wanted to address. Another thing he wanted to address was the idolization of the teachers. I mean, we had this, this really strange thing going on in the church. They were like, they're like, well, we're here, we're here with Paul. Well, I'm here and I'm here with Apollos because I like the way that he teaches. I like the way that he preaches. Well, I'm here and I'm, I'm with so-and-so. And they were arguing about it. They were like, it'd be like coming to church and be like, well, I really like Joe. I can't stand that Matt guy when he preaches, but Joe, he's my guy. You know, or, or it's this guy or that guy. It's silly. It was really silly. Because really, anything that a, a preacher brings, it's not what they bring. The Lord brings it. It's the Lord's truth. It's the Bible. And, and the Holy Spirit works those things. Not me, not Joe, not Paul, not Apollo. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit, the power of God working in these men's lives. So, so Paul's addressing all these divisive things, and, and so there was this, this spirit of pride, this really spirit of pride that was built up in the church of Corinth, and Paul just, you know, just really addresses it. He's, it started out, I, I don't know if you remember this, but this 1 Corinthians here started out real nice. 
just really great. Paul's introduction is so kind and loving. And then it's just like, bam! I told you that first week, this is the last week that Paul's really nice. And then we get into it. And so he's continuing um, in this, this thought process to, to draw the church closer together in unity. He's going to address legalism. We're going to look at how he gets there and what it looks like here in the first 23 verses of chapter 9. Would you pray with me before we read God's word together today? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. In this moment, in this holy moment, we want to quiet our hearts and minds and focus on you, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the words of this text, that it would, you would soften our hearts to receive the truths of your word, that it would change us, that we would walk out of here different than we walked in, because we've met with our Creator, that our Creator has his hand on us and changes us. So right now we surrender to the truth of your word, Father. We ask that you give us courage and strength to walk out these truths as we surrender to you, in Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 9, start here in verse 1. I love how Paul starts this. Am I not free? He just right out of the gates. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Now, Paul's addressing here real quick, just a side note, he's talking about these other philosophers and people that are questioning his authority as an apostle. These philosophers, they wanted to boost themselves up and they were questioning Paul's apostleship and authority. And he just addresses it right away. Have I not seen the Lord? That was one of the markings of an apostle is that they were called by Jesus to be an apostle. So uh, Paul lays that out real quick for him. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? You might want to underline or circle that, the right. You're going to hear that a few times as we go through the text. The right. Do I not have the right to eat or drink? Do I not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? I'm going to stop right there. The first thing that I want us to really kind of wrap our minds around as Paul's talking here in this letter to the church is that we are truly free in Christ. It's the first filling in your notes. Just you can fill that in. We are truly free in Christ. We have to remember where the church in Corinth was coming from. This study is really eye-opening when we dive into it. Think about it for a minute. Think of this is yeah, this is great. They had questions about eating food sacrificed to idols. They had questions about food eating food sacrificed to idols. Big deal, right? But they were accepting <laughs> they were accepting of a man who was sleeping with his mom. Are you are you following you tracking with me on this? Like, hey, hey, we're really struggling here, Paul. We we got this really heavy question for you. You know, can we eat food offered to idols? You know. But here on the other hand, they had this guy in their church who's sleeping with his mother. And they're like going, well, you know, we're really a progressive church. We are, we are enlightened. We understand the grace and mercy of God. I mean, we've experienced it. So, so this thing going on over here on the side, we're going to talk to Paul about this. Let's not put that in the letter. You know, we can, we're accepting we, we are progressive enough to just go into this. But, um, hey, but what about this the food, you know? Food offered to idols. What about that? That's the real sticking point, right? 
what? <laughs> are, are you with me on this? It's like, what are you talking about? How can you go from like, okay, yeah, dude, that's all right. You just do your thing, you know, God's grace, God's forgiveness covers, you know, if you're good. To, oh, let's really question and drill in on this food offered to idols. Mind blown. I'm sitting here, I read this, and I'm like, what are you thinking? How do you, how do you get there, right? I think it's really important for us to like wrap our minds around this and say, all right, how did the church in Corinth get to that point? So, so Paul's about to lay out what true freedom. He starts out here with freedom that he has. He says, he's free, he has apostolic authority, if anyone should understand and know that freedom that we have in Christ, it would be him. He gives a couple examples. He's free to eat and drink. Uh, He's free to take a Christian wife um, like the other leaders in the church did at the time. He's saying that that I can do all these things, but I don't. Look, 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 I can do all this stuff, but I don't. Paul's answer to their question is really a slap in the face. Because they were so far off. They were, here's what it comes down to. They were caught up in the law. They got caught up in the law. They were caught up in the law when they needed to be caught up in love. And that's what Paul's getting at. He's saying, look, I have real freedom, but I'm not just doing whatever I want with my freedom. I have something important to do with my freedom. Something that means more to me than being free. Freedom in Christ, you might write this down. Freedom in Christ is freedom to glorify God. That is true Christian freedom. It is taking ourselves, our desires, our wants out of the center of the universe and recognizing Christ is the center of the universe. He always has been. He always will be. It is from from this foundation that we experience freedom like we never knew possible. And that's what Paul's getting at. He's like, listen, you're getting caught up in the law. You're caught up in these silly little things. All the while, you're going down the road of death and, and accepting things that are blatant, horrific sins that I've already told you will lead you to hell. He says, no, listen. Listen, it's not It's not about this law. It's about the lawgiver. Refocus, refocus here. Look to the creator. He jumps into it. He gets real heavy right here and moves on. In verse six, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain refrain from working for a living? Hmm. There's those rights again. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake, the teachers, the preachers? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, this is where he turns the tide. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. I underlined that in my Bible. 
We have not made use of this right, Paul says, but we endure anything rather than to put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Wow, what a statement. What a statement. But we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings in the same way. The Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But, here he goes again, I have made no use of any of these rights. Why? Nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. Now this isn't a prideful boasting Paul's talking about. He wants to boast about the work of the Holy Spirit as the proclamation of the gospel goes out, boasting in the Holy Spirit's work. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Paul, man, Paul is a wild man. Listen listen to what he's really getting at here. He is laying, and I have rights, he says. If anyone should know the rights and the freedoms that we have in Christ, it is me. Paul the Apostle. Man, I I could take a paycheck from preaching the gospel from the church in Corinth, which he didn't. I I could make my living at this. I could take a wife along. I I could eat and drink. I could do these things, but I'm not going to because there's something so much more important to me than my freedom and doing what I want and getting what I want. And what is that one thing? The good news of Jesus Christ You see, what happened is is Paul was was living his life, doing his thing, minding his own business. Actually, he was was against Jesus is what he was. he was. He was persecuting the church. But God, God had other plans for him. Jesus came to him. This is after his resurrection. Jesus shows up to Paul. And he says, you know what? I got different plans for you. I have a destiny for you. I have a future for you. And you know what? God's done the same thing for you. Maybe he hasn't done it yet. Maybe he's doing it right now. For each of us who have put our trust in the work of Jesus Christ, we've had that moment in our life where Jesus just shows up And he does something right here and right here. And he changes the way we think and he shifts our paradigm. And and we go from this self-centeredness and selfishness to to a concern for his glory and and what he's done on the cross. And we recognize that, that he lived a perfect life we can't live and then died that sinner's death we deserve. 
and then rose again the third day, and we have this freedom, this amazing grace that God has given us through the work and person of Jesus Christ, and it changes us. It turns us. We're going north, and we end up going south, right? And we end up in Florida, and it's 80 degrees. It's awesome. No, he changes us, right? That's what Paul, that's the experience Paul has had. That's the experience that we have had because of what Christ has done. And it changes us. And I think to myself, I don't deserve this. What is this grace? What is this mercy? And all of a sudden, the things that I value, the things that I hold on tightly, begin to change because I have found the greatest treasure ever in the person of Jesus Christ. Leads us to the second filling in your notes today, and it's this. We are free. Brothers and sisters, we are free to give up our rights for the sake of the gospel. That's real freedom That's the freedom Paul is talking about. When Jesus is the center and he is our main concern, our hope, our joy, our peace, our everything, we view our rights differently. My rights aren't my main concern. The glory of God becomes my main concern. The work that Jesus has done for me becomes my main concern. When we view life this way, when God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, moves on us and changes our perspective this way. We begin to find joy and happiness in the strangest of ways. It reminds me of a story in the Old Testament about a lady named Esther. I'm not going to go there, but I'd encourage you to check it out in the Old Testament. It's a a short book, a great story. This this lady, Esther. It's just this, this crazy thing that God's people were in big trouble. And there was this crazy king. And, and he had this really ev- evil, like, right-hand guy. And, and this king, he was, he was being led by this evil man to just kill all of God's chosen people. And he was going to do it. If not, Esther, step up and go to the king. And God made this way for her to do this. And there's this crazy statement in Esther 4, 12 through 17. And it's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. It's that, point, it's that point where it could go really bad. And uh, Esther's... The, Esther's right-hand guy, he says, hey, this is about to go really bad. You can, you can go before the king. This, this, this time, this hour right now might be the time and hour. But you could go before this king. Two things can happen. He could kill you on the spot or God could save his people. Huge risk. Huge. And Esther's like, for such a time as this, I'll give up my life. I'll give up my rights. I'll give up my desires, my future for God's glory and for God's people. Esther Esther got her mind around it. She understood it. You see, Christianity 
isn't a halfway religion. When you give your life to Christ, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. It could be tornadoes and pterodactyls. It's not that, the, it's not that, that life gets easy. It's that, that the one who actually created life and sustains your life walks with you, lives in you. I think for so long the church has sold this, this bait and switch type Christianity that, woo, come to Jesus, it's all roses and wonderful. And, and it, there is a truth to that. There's nothing better than living out this life that, with the one who's created you. There's nothing better than that. But it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy at all. Look at this study we've been doing through 1 Corinthians. The church in Corinth was a hot mess because it's hard. It's difficult that we, we face real struggles in this life. God doesn't want just a part of your life. He wants it all. He doesn't want just your checkbook. He wants everything. He doesn't want just your trust for tomorrow. He wants your trust for eternity in all things. Christianity is giving your rights away. It's giving your life away. Esther gave up her rights, her life, and risked it all for the glory of God to save his people. And she found her true freedom and joy in glorifying the Lord. Freedom in Christ isn't like freedom the world offers. Okay? Freedom in Christ is not like freedom the world offers. Freedom in the world's eyes is freedom to do whatever you want in order to get whatever you want. True biblical freedom is found in obedience, service, and surrender. God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Now, it's only upside-down because we live in an upside-down world. God's kingdom is actually right-side-up. We just have to shift our paradigm. We have to start living by God's rules and seeing things God's way. More and more, right becomes wrong, and wrong becomes right in this world. More and more, the world comes up against what Scripture teaches have you guys ever seen that um, little Disney show, Cars, the movie, with Lightning, Mc Lightning McQueen? All right, I have to do this for my daughter. Ka-chow! Right? That's, what it, that's Lightning Mc McQueen's thing. She says, you got to do ka-chow, Dad. Yeah, so um, there's this great little movie. It's a fun little movie. And this race car, Lightning McQueen is an animated race car. He gets lost in the desert somewhere at this little town, and he messes up their streets, and they make him stay there until he fixes what he's messed up. While he's there, he finds out that this, this guy there is this famous race car. And um, he goes and watches him do this dirt track racing. And Lightning McQueen had never raced on a dirt track. And he goes and he sees him going around this track really fast. And they do this race, and Lightning McQueen loses to this old guy. It's like, how does this happen? The old guy says to him, and he goes, well, you got to go, you got to turn left to go right. Or you got to go turn right to go left is what he says. You got to turn right to go left. Lightning McQueen's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And he blows him off and acts like he's, you know, not smart. And Lightning McQueen leaves. But late at night, Lightning McQueen goes back to the track. And he's, he goes to the track. He's going down the straightaway. And he turns right and wrecks. <laughs> and he goes down the straightaway again. He's practicing this thing all night. And anyways, the end of the story, he had to go right to go left. He had to learn how to drift. 
And the same thing happens with us. As God begins this work of sanctification, it basically means change. As God begins to change us and grow us, we start to see things and experience things differently. We find out that we have to go right to go left. That, that as I was living my life selfishly and searching after and seeking after my own desires with everything that I had, what I really have to do to find that ultimate joy and satisfaction is actually give up those things that I thought I desired and wanted. Jesus was the perfect example of this type of servanthood. He says that the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And Jesus, who, who had every right to, to do whatever he wanted, think about it. The Son of God who lived that perfect life. When he came face to face with his destiny, the cross. Think about the lashings and the beating that he endured for hours. Allowing his own creation to brutalize him. So much so that he was not recognizable. He gave up his rights. And then, after enduring that horrificness, he allowed his creation to murder him. And he did that for me and you because he loves you. What kind of love is that? That's the kind of love that God has. That's the kind of love that we are supposed to live out and live in. It's not about me living out my freedoms to drink alcohol, like Joe said last week, right? It's about me living out my freedom to drink alcohol, but then not drinking it because I know that my brother would stumble if he saw me. That I would make that kind of sacrifice. Have you been searching for joy? Have you been searching for freedom? Have you been searching for peace during this pandemic? You can find that in Christ. And I'll just tell you, that is the only place you will find ultimate and lasting joy and freedom and peace. It is in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's move on in verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. The last villain in your notes is awesome. It's so awesome. We are free to be servants to all. The Corinthian church had made much of the law 
and little of the gospel. And in a way, it, it had made them foolish slaves. Foolish in the sense of being able to discern what is righteousness. They just couldn't do it. And what is sinful? It had blocked their eyes. Pride blinds us to our own blindness. And they were slaves in the sense that they were slaves to legalism. Now, two things can happen when we make the, the rules or the law bigger than it should be. We, we, one, one, way is we, one thing that can happen is we pick out the laws that we're good at, like not committing adultery or murder or something like that, and we ignore the ones that we are bad at, like gluttony or little white lies. We become the focus and meditations of our hearts and minds. Anytime we do that, we are living in pride and becoming blind. Then our view of sin and righteousness gets all muddied up. We can't discern. Or the second thing that can happen is we can focus on the ones we are bad at and we become depressed, overwhelmed by our sinfulness. And we're, we totally ignore the grace and mercy and goodness of God. Again, we become the focus and the meditation of our thoughts and hearts. Either way, we miss the good news. That's what happened in Corinth. They had become legalists. The law had become this huge thing. They were just prideful in their own human philosophies and sounding smart and these great orators that were coming around that were unbiblical, but sounded, you know, they just sounded, you know, so smart. They were prideful. We, we already read through how Paul just directly addresses that earlier. But either way, they miss the good news. When all along, that is meant to be the center, our focus, that Jesus and what he has done, what it's meant for our lives, that's our focus and our meditations of our hearts and minds. The gospel for the world. Paul gives us the truth of freedom lived out. Freedom is Christ, in Christ is freedom to share the gospel, live the gospel, and celebrate the gospel. That's true freedom in Christ. It's to live the gospel, celebrate the gospel, and share the gospel. Paul says, to the Jews, I became a Jew. To those under the law, I became one under the law. To those outside the law, I became those out the law. To the weak, I became the weak. That I, I have just become all things to all people by all means that I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. When we focus on the gospel, what it means for our future, what it did to our past, the power that it brings to our today, when those things permeate and saturate our lives, we find real freedom. Freedom from fear, freedom from depression, freedom from anxiety, freedom from hopelessness. Make the gospel the center of your life and see what happens. Now you've heard me say it a hundred times that Christ came and did what we couldn't do. He lived the perfect life. He died a sinner's death in, in our place. He rose again the third. You've heard me say it a hundred times, all the time. But have you really thought about what it means for you? What does that mean for your yesterday? What does the good news of Jesus Christ mean for your yesterday? It means you are forgiven. Not only that, but it means that God chooses to remember your sins no more. 
You are spotless, righteous, set apart by God for God. You don't have to let your yesterday undermine your today and tomorrow because Jesus has given you a new, clean slate. And when the Bible says that he chooses to remember your sins no more, it's not like me and you forgetting and it coming back to our memory every once in a while. God is perfect, all-powerful. He has perfect control of his memory. And when he says he chooses to remember it no more, he remembers it no more. When he looks at you, it is as if you have never sinned because you are covered in the blood of Christ. That's what it means for your yesterday. So we have to quit living like we live in our yesterday. How many of us are living like we are still the same person we were seven years ago? Satan loves to bring up those things, those mistakes that we made. He loves it. If he can get us to just live there and have our minds focused there, instead of taking every thought captive and bringing it to obedience to Christ like his word teaches us to, if Satan can just get us to think about, you know, those sins that will surely, surely get us. As if our sins are greater than the cross of Christ. The gospel for you means you are spotless, set apart for the one who saved you. What does it do for your today? It means that you are living, now get this, you are living with the power of the Holy Spirit in you. God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and is changing you day by day, week by week, year by year. He doesn't leave you alone. He is working the will of God in you for his glory and for your good. It means that God's mercies are new every morning. You are not described or defined by your yesterday. You are described and defined by what God says about you right now. We have to live and believe what God says about who we are right now in this place. What do you believe about who you are? What do you believe about right now who you are? Is it what your mom has told you entire time you've grown up? Or your dad? Maybe it's your grandpa or grandma? Maybe it was your teacher or coach? Is that who you are? What they said about you? No. What 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 does God say about you? We all need this reminder every once in a while, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose you in him before the foundation of the world that that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That's who we are. 
It's not who your coach has told you you are. Not even what your parents have told you you are. You were predestined to be in relationship with the creator of the universe because he loves you. And in love, he predestined you, set you aside for himself. Before you were born, he had set aside good things for you to do for his kingdom. That's what the gospel means for you right now in your today. What does it mean for your tomorrow? It means you have a tomorrow. Not just in the sense of tomorrow day, but in the sense of eternity. We don't live like this life is all that we have. We live like this life is just a vapor It's here one second and it's gone the next. You have an inheritance. You have an eternity. You have a future. You have a destiny because God has predestined you. He's called you his own. Now, where does Paul go with all of this gospel truth? He says, I'm just going to give my life away that I can just save some. The gospel If the the gospel apart from us reaching our community is meaningless. When we realize that God has saved us, that he's moved us and he's changing us, it compels us to get out of this high school and go to our neighbors and say, listen, listen, there's an eternity at stake and God loves you. Look what he's done in my life. I was a sinner. I was lost. But God in his grace and mercy of nothing that I've done or deserved has called me his own and he loves you and he's done these things for you. All right, let's just go big overarching theme here. Book of 1 Corinthians, unity, gospel-centeredness, Christ-centeredness. Where does it lead us? It leads us to the streets. It leads us to our family members that don't know Christ. It leads us to our neighbors to share with them because their eternity is at stake. Hell is real. Heaven is real. And if God is real, then I got to do something and say something. Or is it just me? You guys with me at all? You have neighbors that right now, their eternity is destined for hell, torment for all eternity. That is the greatest opportunity God has set before you right now. You can go to them. You can just love on them. You can buy them dinner. You can mow their grass. You can shovel their snow. And you can show them God's love in practical, tangible ways, simple ways and pray that God would give you an opportunity to share the gospel with them. That's what Paul says, right? I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Here it is, man. It's not about our freedom. (laughs) It's not about living the American dream. It's just a pipe dream anyways. It's about living your destiny. It's about living what God has planned for you. That's the greatest gift. That's the greatest gift God's given. That he would allow us to partner with him in the gospel. Are you kidding me? I'm such a loser. Why me? Why you? (laughs) Let's be honest. Right? It's because he loves you. and Because he's awesome. Because he's good. And he has plans for you. Mission View, let's be a church that lives out our mission. Amen? It's in our name, Mission View Church.
give away our lives, give away our rights, give away our freedom, all for the sake of the gospel that we could save some. Amen? Amen. All right. We have a special guest with us this morning. Jeff Dayton's here. I was going to point him out earlier, but Jeff, thanks for coming today. Jeff uh, is at the Summit Church. Uh, You've probably heard us pray for them uh, in, in our prayer times before, and usually when they come, we pray for them while they're here. Let's pray for the Summit Church and Jeff Dayton and his family that's here with us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Summit Church, North Canton Cares Food Pantry that Jeff oversees. Uh, that we partner with them in. And Father, we thank you for that ministry that's reaching so many families. Uh, God, we just pray for your blessings in that. We pray that the, the gospel just goes out in that ministry, that lives are changed, that souls are saved. God, we pray that you would give Jeff just the biggest vision possible that, that's within your guidelines that would be most glorifying to you. Give him courage, give him strength. And Tom, we lift up Tom Hogshead, the pastor of Summit Church, one of the other pastors at Summit Church. God, as he leads Summit Church, give him wisdom and guidance. And we're so thankful to be partnered with other brothers and sisters in Christ for your kingdom and for your glory. So we surrender our, our, our ideas and everything to you, Father. And we say, come and have your way. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. And we pray that as we see this truth, that the gospel would be the center of our lives. God, you would empower us to and encourage us to go to our neighbors, that your love would compel us to go to our, our family members and friends and, and, and strangers that don't know you. Give us that kind of courage to share the gospel, that we would live on mission, that we would give up our rights, that we would give up our freedom, and that we would live in true freedom, biblical freedom, in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.